My name is Scott Chaloner and you are listening to the Leaders' Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on a very cool spring morning here in the capital, I have to say, but hopefully here to add a little bit more brightness to affairs alongside me on the show this morning is Johnny Draper, a wedding photographer who runs his own eponymous photography business, Johnny Draper Photography, as well as also owning and running his own business alongside his wife, which is a wedding dress retailer as well. So quite um, a diverse set of things there. Uh, Johnny, very warm welcome to yourself and by all means, thanks for joining us on the show. It's a real pleasure having you. Thank you for having me. Great to be here. That's no, a real pleasure, Johnny. Um, fantastic. Um, so um, I understand that um, you've sort of run your own businesses um, within the family since 2007 and then sort of 2012, the later one, which was the, the Love Bridal business. Um, but I'd be interested to understand sort of what was it that kind of made you initially think that, you know, going self-employed, going and having my own business was kind of going to be the way for you? It's, um, it's one of those things that, that in some ways almost happened out of nowhere, mm. but at the same time as a direct relation to, to the job that I had at the time. Uh, I worked for an ad agency in Manchester, um, a creative ad agency in the TV department, um, doing a lot of non-broadcast stuff, um, kind of editing little show reels, um, bits and pieces for corporate events for our clients. Um, really interesting job, did loads of fun, different things. Um, and I basically edited and filmed whatever needed editing and filming in the agency. Um, and one day, um, to cut a very long story short, one of my colleagues popped into the office that I worked and said, oh, you um, obviously film and edit stuff. Will you film my wedding um, this summer? <laughs> I had kind of never thought about anything to do with weddings, never actually been to a wedding, um, full stop as a guest or anything. And in my sort of young, naive way just kind of went yeah 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 of course i'll do that sounds fun so a few months later turned up to this wedding um filmed it edited it afterwards delivered the final product to the bride and groom who were um very kindly delighted with it um and again trying to keep a very long story short um and referring back to my naivety of, of what weddings were all about and what the wedding industry was all about um, I didn't really realise how it kind of worked within the industry, what people actually got off the back of a, of a wedding video. Mm. Um, and unbeknownst to me, people at that time were still getting eight-hour epics on VHS, and I just delivered a three-and-a-half-minute um, cut-to-music chaptered DVD um, because that's what I did. Um, <clears throat> and it kind of went on from there. All of a sudden, friends of friends saw this um, from a business point of view, I'd priced it incredibly wrong. Um, I had no idea what the value of what I was doing was. Mm. And all of a sudden, my diary was almost full overnight um, because people were going, hang on a minute, you charge us how much? And that's what you get. We'll have some of that, please. Um, so very quickly, I was very busy and at lots of weddings alongside my my full-time job. Um, and it was great. Loved it. Loved the the difference to what I actually did in the sort of corporate world, the, the real human connection and actually being there on this amazing day for people. Um, and again, just fast forwarding through the story over, over time kind of thought, if I change a few bits and pieces about what I'm doing here, this, this could actually be a business rather than a sideline. Um, and that's effectively what happened really, um, kind of worked out on the back of a fag packet, you know, actually if I, tweak my prices to this and you know this is 
you know, what my offering is. I, I need X amount of weddings in the diary. And then, you know, in six months time, I could actually have my notes in and, and, and give it a go. Um, and that's what happened. And that, so that was video that I actually started off and then actually made the transition over to stills quite quickly after that. Once I started working full time at weddings, I just sort of hooked into what photographers were doing and what I thought I could do that might be a bit different and um, kind of made a bit of a sidestep. And, and yeah, from kind of 20, uh, 20, 2007, um, it was it was still all the way, really. So um, that was the photography business. And then five years later, my wife, who actually also worked um, in the agency, that's where we met originally. Mm-hmm. Um, she moved on, moved to various design agencies, and, and again, sort of out of nowhere, she saw the fruits of my labour and the fact that I was genuinely loving what I was doing, working for myself, being my own boss, being able to control everything I, I did with my life, um, and she kind of liked the idea of that as well, um, and she actually retrained as a makeup artist to start working at weddings and, and shoots and mm. various events. And again, a variety of different sidesteps happened where she ended up working part-time in a, in a bridal retailer um, and got to the point where she kind of thought, actually, I really like doing this. Um, and I, I think I'd rather do it for myself than for somebody else. And again, that's kind of how that all panned out. So we you know, we took the steps to, to open our own bricks and mortar business as well, um, which again has been great. Um, not so much the last, well, the last year has been great for the, the two before that weren't so great um, for obvious reasons, but everything else, mm. you know, sort of landing on working for ourselves from actually working for the for the machine almost, um, weirdly kind of happened from nowhere. But I think when I speak to a lot of people, a lot of business owners, there, there's not necessarily always a plan. It's just something that an, an opportunity, something that happens that people kind of just go, oh, that sounds interesting i might look into that a little bit more um and that's basically how it happened really yeah it's amazing how it works isn't it where you sort of didn't have really any experience of the wedding industry and now you're essentially running two businesses that operate predominantly within that sector and probably complement each other quite well and uh, obviously the way that you described it is sort of going in there almost with that little bit of naivety not necessarily having a, a full plan for what you want to do with it and then kind of developing as it goes along sort of from your experience of having done that and grown your own successful businesses just for some of those kind of younger entrepreneurial minds that might well be tuning in and listening to this discussion uh, what is it that you would kind of advise them to do if they were wanting to kind of start their own business based on those experiences that you've had i think you need to be confident in what you're what you're doing and what you're setting out to do. You need to be a little bit brave sometimes because not everything will always work out. Um, you've got to do some of the simple things really well and, and almost, you know, take ignore the product and take that for granted. If it's a good product, whatever it is, product service, you know, if you if you believe in that, that should almost take care of itself. And then you just do do the simple things well, you know, a, a bit like I referred to before, back of the fag packet maths. You know, if I do X, Y, Z in sales, can I make this business work within six months, 12 months, 18 months, whatever it might be? Um, and don't overcomplicate things. As I say, you know, believe in, in what you're doing. Be a little bit brave sometimes. Um, it's scary. It's exciting. I think sometimes people um, feel that 
the safety net of being employed and working for somebody um, outweighs the the benefits potentially of working for yourself. But I think if if uh, the last few years has taught us anything, um, a global pandemic has the same effect on pretty much everybody um, with a few few mm. things, you know, that don't get affected. But the majority of people in business, whether they're working for themselves or working for somebody else, you know, potentially found themselves in the same sticky situation. So, you know, sometimes you think it's the safer thing to do, stick to, oh, well, you know, I've got my full-time job and, you know, all that sort of stuff. But things can happen that, that all of a sudden change all of that as well. So, you know, if you can be in control of your own thing, I think sometimes that feels more of a safety net because you've only got yourself to blame if it doesn't work out. And mm. I think that's often been a huge motivation um, for me as well. You know, my destiny is in my own hands. Uh, if I don't get the, the numbers in the diary that I need for the business to continue to run successfully, what am I doing wrong? What, what aren't I doing that I've always done? make sure I do that um, and you can't blame anybody else you've got to you've got to take it on the chin yourself and that that pressure I think is something that I've always thrived on as well yeah exactly it's what sort of motivates you to get out of bed every morning isn't it and uh, you mentioned as well obviously the uh, the global pandemic COVID there uh, very briefly I think it obviously would be remiss of us if we didn't go into that a little bit further because of course for industries such as yours where kind of wedding ceremonies and things were significantly restricted it will have caused some significant challenges. So what sort of operational sort of hitches were you finding yourselves having to deal with during the last two years and how did you sort of go about overcoming those? It was it was very difficult, um, as it was for, for so many people. Um, but I think from, particularly for our businesses, which were in, a, in an industry that certainly within our in- industry um, sort of self-proclaimed it, as the forgotten industry um it was very difficult to overcome a lot of things there was so much emotion attached to it um because pretty much everybody in the wedding industry owns their own business and you're working with clients who are preparing for the biggest most exciting happiest day of their lives and you can imagine the emotion attached to the clients when all of a sudden Weddings weren't happening. Nobody knew what was going on. What's going to happen next week? What's going to happen in two months? Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Um, but I think the thing that was um, once we got over the initial shock of oh my god, what's going to happen? Um, we realised our businesses, although you work in the same industry, were were very very different as to how we were going to go about recovering. My business, the photography side of things, is. 100% reliance on being able to go and photograph these events. Our wedding dress shop is a retailer that fell under non-essential retail. So bizarrely, we were able to get back up and running and reopen and sell wedding dresses when there were still no weddings happening, which was a little bit of a difficulty to kind of get your head around and work out, right, how do we convince people that even though weddings still aren't happening at this moment in time, but it's still a good idea to buy your wedding dress for your wedding that will eventually happen, fingers crossed. Um, so there was a little bit of kind of working things out to to give our our customers confidence um, that we were here to stay. There was, a, there was a, a big panic early on, especially where the, the dress side of things was concerned mm. that, uh, you know, people were worrying about 
what happens to my dress? What if it, what if this business folds under the, the the pressure and as a result of the pandemic? You know, how do I get hold of my dress? So we we have certain clients who, you know, from minute one were on the phone. I need my dress. I need my dress. Um, and the dress was still with the designer, still hadn't been finished, being made in some circumstances. And of course, with it being a global pandemic, the clue in the cycle, um, it affected everything. So it affected our entire supply chain. Mm. So you know, we we were we were fighting fires from that point of view. It, it was actually from the photography business point of view, pretty simple um, to deal with. I basically had to be in good contact with my my brides and grooms. Give them the confidence that, look, I'm, I'm not going anywhere. I'm ready to, to shoot your weddings as and when they happen <clears throat> and kind of roll with what was going on overall in the bigger picture with them. So basically most wedding venues kind of said to people, yes, we'll rearrange. We'll give you new dates to look at. We'll just move it. We'll bump it six months. I mean, some, some point, you know, this is the naivety of all of us at the start. You know, people were kind of bumping their wedding three months, four months down the, down the line from, kind of March, April into the summer going, oh, by the time we get to summer 2020, it'll be fine. We'll all be good. Um, and as a result of that, a lot of my couples moved their dates four or five times um, before they actually got to their, their wedding dates. But as I say, as a, as a sort of a, a response to my photography clients, pretty straightforward. Yes, I'm available on your new date. Great, I'll move you. It's in the diary. Happy days. Can't wait for it to happen. But the, the wedding dress side of things, you know, we're dealing with, manufacturers overseas, our designers themselves, some in this country, some overseas, uh, seamstresses, you know, the, the, there's a huge kind of process with the wedding dress. You know, it arrives with us mm. a certain, you know, number of weeks before the wedding, usually 12 weeks before. And the next part of call is getting it booked in with a seamstress to fit the dress. So it's it, the sort of the appointment um, intricacies and level of detail that, we were trying to have to manage was was complicated because again you know the knock-on effect that everybody had was well we're shut down at the moment you know the seamstress didn't know when she could put people in the diary nobody knew when weddings were going on so it was just this whole this whole crazy you know let's try and work it out the best we can and almost you know making up as we went along which a lot of people were doing for the first couple of months mm. um and then once there was some clarity once you know people have that confidence that, you know, do you know what? We're not going to cancel. We're going to postpone our wedding. We're going to reschedule it. Everything started to fall into place a little bit more then. Um, and you could have a little bit more informed conversations with people. And then as things, you know, progressed from a political point of view and there was more guidance and clarity given as to when we could reopen things and, you know, say, non-essential retail reopening and events kind of going up in those increments of, Weddings of 15, 30, etc. That just gave you a little bit of a, of a platform to, to work from then and then and, um, and something to aim for. Um, but I think critically for us, all the way along, the most important thing was staying in good touch with people, um, mm. not making people feel like I've not heard from them. Oh my God, what's going to happen? You know, it, it was let's keep a really good open line of communication and just just keep people relaxed and confident that we're there with them we're on their side and, and we're we're going to be ready to react as as soon as we're able and, and allowed to to be 
Exactly right. And I suppose that sort of helps maintain not just, of course, the morale of your clients as well, knowing that you're there for them, but also it gives yourself something to do, doesn't it? And it sort of strengthens that kind of family unit behind the uh, the businesses when you know you're in that open communication both together and with the clients. It's absolutely fantastic. And um, even though, of course, it was a very, very difficult two years for all of us, I can imagine that sort of for the experience of having to undergo crisis management, if we call it that, you probably come out of it almost feeling like, you know, you're more resilient um, as a result of that experience, having come through it. And you probably also maybe learn quite a lot from the experiences that you've had. Absolutely. I think, um, you know, if, if you can't take some positivity away from a global pandemic, um, you're not going to be in a very good place, really. And I, I think you're quite right. You know, the amount of things we've We've learned about the business, about ourselves, about how to react in certain situations, and ultimately to to just take a breath to kind of give ourselves that moment to kind of think: Is this the right thing to do? Is it the right thing to do for the business? Is it the right thing to do for the, for the clients? Um, and I think sometimes, especially in the wedding industry, a very, like I was saying before, a very emotionally led um, industry from all aspects. Um, that you'd, you'd almost felt you didn't have the time to consider things in the past. You had to be so reactive and, and on it all the time. And now it kind of feels like, you know what, we can just take that breath and, and work out the best thing to do in all these kind of situations. And, and it was, you know, at the time of pandemic actually kicking off and then working towards reopening as a non-essential retailer, there were things that you'd, you never thought you'd have to think about, you know, the, the social distancing side of things, um, working out your in your shop, um, point of sale and, and floor stickers and sanitizing machines. And, and we went, you know, a long way with, with that sort of stuff because we didn't want it to look like it was a negative thing. Mm. So we, we spent a lot of money um, as a small business on, branding all of our kind of point of sale there was no black and yellow tape on the floor there was no you know little pump hand dispensers we got a fancy you know electronic one on the wall all branded up everything looked like it was supposed to be there um because we just thought you know we can't use this as an excuse to take away from the experience that we're trying to give people and you know it's one of the big big things that brides have to get over um, coming in and trying wedding dresses on was was wearing a mask while they were wearing the wedding dress that was potentially the dress they were going to get married in. That mm. was very difficult for them to get used to. I mean, the longer it went on that we had to wear masks everywhere, it became a little bit easier for them to kind of get their heads around. But it, things like that, you know, you totally understood. You're like, well, of course we want you to not be wearing a mask. We want you to be able to see yourself in this full-length mirror, in this beautiful dress. But, you know, it is what it is at the moment, and we we, we have to kind of play by the rules and and look after ourselves and everybody else. You know that was that was always a thing that was hanging over us. Actually, was was the you know getting shut down for a couple of weeks because Emma or Charlotte who worked for us, you know, what if they test positive? And there's only a couple of people there. And it was at the time of you know heavy self isolation as well. If you're in contact, close contact with people who tested positive, so we we were of the opinion that. We can't risk, you know, being able to reopen and then all of a sudden close for effectively two weeks because one of us has tested positive. So you, you have to kind of be quite rigorous with the 
with the um, all the hygiene stuff, the hand sanitizing, the, the cleaning down. Um, even in the in the early part of it, the the um, quarantining of wedding dresses that people were trying on, um, things like that, and it and it made us put a lot of new systems in place that actually we've now carried into the business. Um, not things like social distancing, that's not meaning like that, but other learnings off the back of how we had to adapt the appointments that we were running because it is effectively a close personal service. Mm. You know, because Emma and Charlotte, um, they're putting girls into dresses, they're up close and personal with them. So the same sort of distance you would be if you're having hair done or you know um, nails or whatever beauty treatments it might be. So we had to, even though it wasn't officially labelled as that, we had to treat it as that to, as I say, look after ourselves as well as the clients because you know, all of a sudden you've been given this little this little potential positive of you can reopen from, I forget what day it was, the original night until so long ago, um, but we can't be shutting down every two minutes. We've got to do everything we can to now stay open. Um, so there were so many challenges um, within that. As I say, a lot that we've then kind of how we set up appointments, a lot of that has, has carried through and has become something that actually benefits our our clients mm. better than previous in terms of how we run the appointments. And um, so you kind of look at those kind of positives and go, you know what, if this global pan- pandemic hadn't have happened, we wouldn't have adapted our business in this way and ended up doing things in a in a way that suits our our customers and our clients handles better. So yeah, I think you have to you have to look deep into it and and be positive. Yeah. Just goes to show, doesn't it, that even when you're running a successful business, you're never a finished product, are you? You're never the finished article. There's always something else to learn. And I think that the last two years have certainly reminded us that every single day is a school day, expect the unexpected. There's always something else to learn, isn't there? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think I think being able to evolve and adapt um, as quickly as possible in a considered way um, has been key for, for so many businesses over the last 18, 18 months, two years. It is, and it's a real testament to the entrepreneurial spirit in the UK across all industries. And sort of having harnessed that yourselves, uh, Johnny, and having got through the challenge of the uh, the last two years, just before we wrap things up on the uh, the show today, the Johnny Draper Photography and For Love Bridal, what is next? What's next on the horizon for you? I think we both feel at the moment that it's it's time to be 100% positive again. Um, you kind of carry your, your everyday attitude of, look, it looks like we're pretty much through the worst of it now. Um, everything's back up and running. Everything's back to normal. Um, and we have to carry that through into our businesses. And yeah, I'm, I'm back shooting weddings that are incredible. Um, so much fun. People are so excited to be that they always are at weddings anyway that's part of why i love them but in particular the last 12 months um as weddings have come back properly people are so excited so happy and full of joy to actually be there with with this wider group of friends and family that that they've not seen for so long um which is often the case with weddings anyway but it just feels extra special um now so for me, it's it's almost it's not quite business as usual. It's it's the busiest year um, in my business's history this year. Um, it's set to be busier again next year. 
which is incredible off the back of, you know, what's been happening. Um, if you'd have told me that two years ago, I wouldn't have believed you. And at the same time, I'd have been punching the air if I'd have known it was actually true. Um, so it's kind of just staying focused on, okay, I'm, I'm now going into the business year ever, so I've got to kind of stay disciplined with some of the boring stuff, the logistical mm. side of things, the admin, the editing, staying right on top of that sort of stuff. Um, but, you know, giving it everything, every single wedding, and, and you know, it's... It, the most wonderful feeling being back amongst it all. Um, and I think for from the the wedding dress shop point of view, from Love Bridal, it's, it, it is much more back to normal because we've been open as a non-essential retailer longer than weddings have been back as well. So it's kind of come full circle and it's almost reset itself. We've, we've adapted and we've evolved. We've put some new systems in place that are working brilliantly. Um, and it's a case of just getting on that journey with those brides again and, and being excited to, to help them find the dress of their dreams. Um, and always, I mean, the, the wedding dress side of things has always been very, um, very much about how you, you move into the next phase of fashion, you know, keeping up with trends, what's going to be big for next year, mm. buying well. Um, I think it's very, very removed from photography. You know, the photography side of it is, I'm at the sharp end of there on the wedding day. All the details are taken care of. I now just capture that. The dress side of things is very much about having an ear to the ground, keeping an eye on, as I say, trends and, and fashion and you know what our bride's going to be wearing in the next 12, 18 months, two years, and making sure we have those offerings for people um, so that you're not standing still. You're, you're always moving forward and you're always relevant. Um, and I think, I think that's the key um, where the bridal's concerned. Yeah, exactly. It's a constant state of flux on that side of things, isn't it? And I do on sort of the side of both businesses, wish you all the luck in the world in executing that to full effect and really succeeding over the uh, the next 12 months and beyond. And I think as we start to see sort of the uh, the situation unfolding and we start to see what kind of new trends sort of take to market, I'd relish the opportunity, Johnny, to actually welcome you back onto the show just to kind of see how things are coming along because it's been a real, real pleasure having you join us today. It really has. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you, Scott. I'd, uh, I'd appreciate that opportunity as well. I've really enjoyed talking to you. Likewise, Johnny. It's been an immense pleasure having you join us on the uh, the show. And um, lastly as well, with everything that is still going on in the world, please do take care and stay safe with all that's still going on as well. Thank you. It was a real pleasure welcoming Johnny Draper onto the Leaders' Council podcast today. And I do hope that everybody tuning in thoroughly enjoyed the interview. And to anybody listening in who might run their own business or organisation with its own story of success and innovation to share with us here at the Leaders' Council, then by all means, we also want to hear from you. So why not also apply to be on the show via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply. And until next time, to all of our regular listeners, you've been listening to the Leaders' Council podcast with your host, Scott Chaloner. Take care and goodbye.